0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I mean, it's easy to look at Bruce Lee and think, Kung Fu, dragons, all of that, you know, aggressive, masculine stuff. But truly, his whole revelation around water was, and you also have to have gentleness. You can't just be hardcore 24-7. That you can beat your head against a wall all day long and not get anywhere right? Like sometimes you have to pull back and find another path, look at things a little differently.
1: Hi everybody, it's Kat Sadler and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to It Sure Is A Beautiful Day. I am Kat. And I'm happy you're here. I have some good news to share before we get into today's conversation. I am just like overwhelmed with gratitude because apparently last month was our most listened to month of all of our shows, of all of our runs since the show began. So I just wanna say thank you. Thank you so much. Our audience is growing, we're connecting more. You guys are loving these conversations, and that makes me so, so happy. Today's interview really was one of those that kind of landed in my lap. It's one of the reasons I love getting up every day. It's because you just don't know who you're going to meet and how you're going to collide with people in the world. I was at a charity event slash dinner slash girls gathering at this wonderful Beverly Hills event earlier this year, and I got to meet the incredible Shannon Lee. Shannon, yes, is the daughter of legendary iconic film star and martial artist Bruce Lee. So everybody's heard of him. And I was familiar with his teachings, but the more Shannon and I talked, she has released a book just recently. It's called Be Water, My Friend. And she essentially is expanding on her dad's ideas and philosophies. And really teaches us how we can apply a lot of those bits of wisdom to our everyday lives. And at the end of the day, how we all just want to feel okay. So as you know, this show, you know, a lot of these conversations keep returning to this idea of personal growth and healing and living optimally. And so I was so excited when she agreed to come on the show because this is very, very much her invitation. You know, it's like, are you thinking about a spiritual journey? Have you always wondered, you know, what it's like to maybe go in more and really think about your thoughts and your intentions and how you operate and how you operate with other people and what all of that means and our minds and the power of our thinking and the power of our thoughts and how if we make these little bitty shifts, how we can just live um, more joy and more peace. So She went through it, as you can imagine. She lost her dad when she was four years old. She lost her brother also tragically. So, we talk a lot about her pain and suffering that kind of moved her towards her life's work and her purpose, which is now, you know, connecting with others and sharing these teachings once again. She's also a producer. She's in Hollywood now. She's, you know, creating so much and putting a lot of good into the world. So, I felt her light that night that we met. And I was like, got to have her on, got to share her with my people. They need to know about her if they don't. So after this conversation, check out the book, follow along with her on her journey because she's a special one. She's a special one, which is why I wanted to bring her to all of you. So if you needed reminded, you're special too. And I'm glad you're here. It means the world. And here it is, Shannon Lee and me. You are all the hyphenates. I mean, you are an actress, you are an author, you are a podcast host, um, you are a martial artist, and you just happen to be the daughter of the legendary martial artist, film star, philosopher, the beloved Bruce Lee. So I know that has become so much a part of your purpose today and your life and protecting and promoting his story and his life. So I don't even know where, you know, I do know where we're going to begin. First, just how are you? I I like to just check in on people when we sit here across from one another and just say, how are you today?
0: Oh, that's lovely. I am, I am pretty good. Like, I can't complain. Personally, I'm very busy, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes, you know, I have to practice my repose and my silence <laughs> mm-hmm. when i get really busy because it can be a little overwhelming and it can get the heart rate going so i need to remember to breathe but but otherwise yeah i'm i'm really happy to be moving into summer my daughter's home from college a lot of things going on. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> I have a son who just finished his junior year, but he is going away for a little bit to his father's house. So mm. he's leaving the house for a good portion of the summer. And then as is my other son. So I'm kind of finding myself a little empty nested, if you will, in my house. But it's, it's, that's kind of bittersweet, right? Like, cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to miss them right now this summer. You know, I'm so used to having them so close, but it's also kind of nice. So I'm going to try and spend the time going in, which is what I tend to do. I more and more. And it's kind of like what you were just saying about how you're feeling. And I love hearing that from someone like yourself that like, and it's what you say in the book you know, we are eternal students. Like, it never stops. It's not like we get there and we figure it out, and now we're fine. We're like a bright, shiny car, and we never have to touch it again. It's like we're constantly doing the work regardless of of what life brings our way. Yes. It never ends, does it? It never
0: ends. And
1: <laughs> that's for sure. I'm so curious, you know, being the daughter of Bruce Lee, and although he, you were four years old when he lost his life, mm-hmm. How much of philosophy and wisdom and the teachings were apparent in your upbringing? Did everybody else kind of swoop in and, and pick up where he left off, or or how were you kind of shaped as a young girl in this regard? Yeah,
0: it's an interesting question. You know, I think I was shaped first and foremost by him. I mean, obviously, and my mother too. But the four years that I had him. Mm-hmm. His presence, his quality of attention was such that it really shaped me. It really helped to form a a fairly solid foundation for me, which I really appreciate. So there's that. Beyond that, the philosophy, you know, our family was such that we just sort of shared in everything. So even though I was a four-year-old or a five, six, seven-year-old, I had seen all his movies. I'd been on set at his movies. I'd heard some of the philosophy and a bit about his martial art. We all did martial arts as a family when he was alive. So I had touch points. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, as with anything in life, it was up to me to really take hold of them and decide what to do and investigate. And I have to say, it didn't happen... Well, that's not a hundred percent true. There's a part of me that decided very proactively to pick up training in his martial art because my father loved martial arts. He created his own martial art called Jikundo. And in order to know him and to be close to him, I wanted to train in it so mm. that I could understand him better, really. Uh-huh but because I didn't train in martial arts after he died for most of my childhood. I was very active. I played sports, all that, but it was painful. Both my brother and I sort of shied away from it for several years. And then we both came back to it. But beyond that, like the real depth of his philosophy sort of happened by accident, but... In the perfect timing of the universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do explain. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> Do explain.
0: Yeah. So, my brother was killed right before my 24th birthday. And that was a really, really dark and challenging time in my life. I did not know how to process that. I was in shock, I was in depression. And I was just sort of carrying around this, like, deep, deep emotional pain. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't really know what to do with it. And I was going through my life, as you do, but just feeling in pain and awful all the time. And I had this sort of, like, unbeknownst to me, this sort of, like, constant plea which now I think of as a mantra, right? In going on inside my head of, please help me, please help me, please help me. I I don't know how to get through this. And lo and behold, <laughs> mm. I was handed, because there were some books that were thinking about being published on my father's writings, somebody had made a bunch of Xerox copies of his writings. And it was like three phone books tall of writings. It was so much work. And, and they said, here, why don't you, I just made you a copy. And I, oh, okay, great. Thank you. And I just started flipping through and I started reading his words and they just started washing over me. And, you know, I had known some of the more famous quotes, but I had never encountered many of these writings that were in here. And I I talk about this in my book, but there was one quote in particular that just jumped out at me and it said, the medicine for my suffering I had within me from the very beginning, but I didn't take it. And then it goes on to say, my ailment came from within myself, but I did not uh, recognize it until this moment. And now I see if I am ever to find the light, I must be like the candle and be my own fuel.
1: Mm. Oh, man, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Did yeah. you feel like those words were written for you? That's really what it felt like. Yeah. It's like it
0: cracked me open yeah. in a way. Uh-huh. It, it like, And I think it was the word suffering because that's really what it felt like. I felt like I was suffering.
1: Well, yes, and by the yeah. way, understandably so. Yes, yes, When you had that mantra, please help me, please help me, please help me, were you calling out to your dad? Were you calling out to your God? What did you, yeah. do you even know? I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was not
0: raised in a particular religious tradition, so I did not have any context. It wasn't like I was thinking about you know any any of that kind of training or conditioning that i had i i didn't have it and so when i was just calling out help me help me help me it was literally just like into the void <laughs> yeah
1: yeah in desperation in desperation in desperation yeah we're back in a minute We can do all the work in the world and read all the books and do all the things and meditate, but every chance I get, I do a little something for myself, a little kind of action of self-love to feel better. So I want to tell you about Sage because this is one of the ways when I move throughout my day, I treat myself with a little, it's like a little lift to feeling better. Sage believes in physical and emotional wellness for all of us, which is why they create 100% natural products to support us in making healthier choices every single day. It's how they encourage everybody, all human beings on their journey to wellness. Sage makes the most beautiful essential oils. They make the most beautiful diffusers. So you've got these wonderful essential oils, plant-based, all natural around your home that enhances and sometimes alters and even fix how we're feeling, right? Essential oils can help you sleep better. They can help give you a little boost of energy. They can relax you. Sometimes they can ease the pain. I am loving Sage's Magnolia Dew. joyful diffuser blend, right? It sure is a beautiful day. I love my joyful blends. They have sleep well essential oil blend. You can roll these on for a more restful night's sleep. Guys, you got to try all of these. I have a code for you. Of course, Right now for It Sure Is A Beautiful Day listeners, Sage is offering 20% off your order with code CAT20 online at sage.com. That's dot com. Again, that's code CAT20 for 20% off your online order at sage.com. What's up, everyone? I'm Kristen Cavallari. And I'm Stephen Colletti. We're so excited to announce Dear Media's new podcast, Back to the Beach with Kristen and Stephen, where we'll revisit all of your favorite episodes of Laguna Beach, The Real Orange County, and unveil behind the scenes secrets, tea, and all sorts of new insight into this groundbreaking show. So join us every Tuesday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm already feeling nostalgic. of now that your dad has passed on, I mean, that that Mm. just dawned on me the question of if you feel like he's still here. Do you feel like Mm. he's still with you? Do you do you feel his presence? Do you feel his the steering of your life and your calling? And and how does that look?
0: Absolutely. And I would say, uh, absolutely, I still feel like I am in connection with him and that he is here energetically. I feel guided by him. I feel comforted by him. I feel his energy still, which I think a lot of people actually still feel because he had such highly cultivated and big energy. I would say that that moment of finding, reading that quote, which were his words, you know, in that moment of such emotional suffering was sort of the spark that lit the fuse for me to then go on a more spiritual journey to create and seek my own understanding of, you know, God, life, the universe, mm. love, what, whatever you want to call it, yeah. right? Yes. Yes, and so, y- yes, I very much do feel that he's still here.
1: At that point, just because I know that was such a pivotal point, point in your life, like that seismic moment that you're still sitting here today telling the story, right? And people want to hear about that and Mm. losing your brother and your father had passed on. I can only imagine being the daughter of such an icon that there is, you know, on the one hand, you're doing such a beautiful job and you've taken on the foundation and you've made it your life's work to really celebrate your father and make sure he is remembered for all of his wonderful offerings. But on the other hand, I'm thinking as a young woman, that must have been like, difficult in some ways. Like, was there ever a time when you were just a little angry? Like, I don't want to be Bruce Lee's daughter. Like, that's going to follow me around forever. Is that my identity? And like, and by the way, all these, not all these things, but then you lose your brother. And then, you know, that understandably would be such a loss that then, you know, it would be very human to get really uh, beyond just, you're in pain, but be a little angry about all of that.
0: Sure, of course. I mean, the thing I say is being Who I am is something I'm always in relationship with. And sometimes I'm angry and sometimes I'm excited and proud and sometimes I'm over it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's such a great way to say it. That is fabulous. Isn't that all of us?
0: Yes. And that's the thing, like the more and more when people now, you know, (laughs) I'm in my fifties now, I'm, I've matured, I've lived my, uh, uh, you know, uh, several years of life now at this point, I'm at a place now where I'm like, yes, okay. Yes. Bruce Lee is my father. And yes, that has a set of circumstances and a whole bunch of feelings and that come with it. And really, truly, and honestly, I mean, I think that's how everyone feels about their parents and about their life and about all. So, and they have their unique circumstances and, you know, these are primary relationships in our lives. They mold us. They, they, you know, surround us. They inform us. We're always trying to sort of break away from them and also draw them back to us. So in a lot of ways, it's really not any different. And, and, of course, it is a unique circumstance. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very well said. I I, yeah. I hear you. I do. When you received the boxes of all the things, you know, and you can tell us what that consisted of, because I believe that was the kind of impetus to really deep dive into all of his teachings and his writings and his journals and all of that, which ultimately led to your book. Am I short? Am I going too fast? I might be tracking the story a little too too fast, but, but you're Book is Be Water, my friend, and in it you go through so many of his teachings, some of which I'm sure people were familiar with, especially if they're diehard fans of of your father's. But but also it's it it resonates so much. It's it's so lovely. I I, I couldn't highlight enough, and I couldn't write down enough quotes. Like every I have, a, I have the Audible version as well. I'm like, oh man, I got to stop again. I'm like every five feet on my phone, I'm like texting and quoting your words or your father's oh. words. It's just. It's such a useful tool book, really, full of wisdom for people that they can apply in their lives. But how did that kind of all connect to eventually lead you to want to share that with everyone?
0: You know, it it was a really long journey for myself, you know, because first I had to heal myself a bit, right? And then my mom came to me and said, you know, I'm getting older. I don't really want to look after your dad's stuff so much anymore. Do you have any interest in that? And quite honestly, the reason I got involved in any of it in the first place was because of the healing I had received from his words. And also, I felt you know people need to know him in this way. We all know him as the martial artist and the action film star and the and you know the the ass kicking and the yeah. you know screaming and yelling and all. <laughs> and the swagger and all yeah. of it right yeah. the, but where did that come from but where did it come from and yeah. why is it so engaging because it's really extra engaging mm-hmm. right and it's mm-hmm. because he had this deep deep foundation of personal work and inner inner work inner knowing and It was that part of his legacy. That's the part of his legacy that I really connect to. Mm -hmm. I, yes, I've studied martial arts. Am I a martial artist like Bruce Lee? No. (laughs) Like zero. I saw some of your moves,
1: girl. I was on the internet. You know, I saw some of the the clips from your films and some YouTube. You've got moves. I was actually like, that is so impressive okay maybe not like your dad's but yeah, no girl you got some moves well thank you teach,
0: thank you, thank teach you. us please <laughs> I mean it's fun this, all of that is really fun and I've enjoyed it and it's helped me immensely and it's helped me to understand the benefits of martial arts and how he was able to use them as a tool for personal growth also but I haven't dedicated my life to that in the way that he did this sort of seeker part of him this self-knowledge part of him this self-actualization part of him i'm love it and it has helped me and it has saved me and even at times when i've like not been so deeply engrossed in it i'm still i'm still able to be sort of cognizant of what's happening in my life and apply the lessons. And then I start reading again. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Like every time I go back to the quotes, there's just another layer of understanding and another layer. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. But it took me 20 years to write this book. Not that I started it 20 years ago, but it took me 20 years of running the business, of working on myself to finally get to a place where I felt Like I was ready and able and in a place of having done enough of my own work to be able to write this book. Mm -hmm. Because this book is, yes, if you're a Bruce Lee fan, you might be more engaged to pick it up. But it's really not for Bruce Lee fans. It's for everyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why I so wanted to speak with you. and, And that's why it's so spoke to me in so many ways i've just like felt truly um comforted by so much of it and i was a mm. little familiar i think i was like vaguely familiar like with most people i mean it's impossible to be alive and not know who bruce lee was but you're right maybe not everyone was a martial arts fan or necessarily familiar with his career but i think i was aware to some degree prior to meeting you in this conversation And reading the book, that like I knew of his discipline, like I knew about the discipline physically for sure, because that's undeniable, Mm -hmm. but I was aware of his philosophy. Like I knew that was a part of him and part of his story. How much of that was kind of in like known culturally, or did that come later? Was it Mm -hmm. that a long time later that people were aware of the writings and? Because you know the results were very measurable of all of this hard work in the films and you watch them and you're like, oh my gosh, of course he is like <laughs> the most disciplined person on the planet. Mm-hmm. But that really was in tandem with the interior work all along, right?
0: Yes, all along. Yeah. All along in tandem with the interior work. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, you want to know why? I mean, you may not be able to like connect all the dots. But you you can see when you watch him, just even in his uh, kung fu movies, that there's something more about him. His energy just like leaps off the screen. And that's not, doesn't happen with everybody. So it's sort of like, well, what's different here? And, you know, what I want people to know is what's different is that, that he was deeply self-educated, that he worked on himself, that he was constantly innovating, discovering, learning. You know, you mentioned the eternal student. He considered himself the eternal student, and he loved it. I mean, like, we have all these writings where he's like, and I'm just so excited because I feel like there's something new that I can discover every day, and every day I'm growing, and I'm like an onion that I'm peeling the layers back on all the time, and, and that excited him.
1: Yeah. All right, guys, back in a minute. This just in, drinking more water is good for you. (laughs) We know this, we're told all the time, drink more water, consume as much water as you can in the day, you'll feel better, it's great for your health. What if I told you, I got a little help for you as it pertains to drinking your water every day. Drinking enough water is important, especially this time of year, because it helps our bodies function properly. It keeps our minds sharp. If you're not drinking enough water, I mean, it can be super annoying. You're not concentrating. Maybe you have headaches. Some people get dizzy. We all feel better, but I've got a little encouragement for you so that you can actually get the job done. Water drop. This is the solution to your hydration needs small and convenient. These cute little effervescent cubes, they add flavor to your water. They add vitamins to your water and even caffeine if you need it. Super easy when you're on the go. They've got a wide range of flavors from berry to fruity. I like their citrusy flavors. They've got herbal flavors. And all of a sudden for all of you are like, I don't like to drink water. You know, I don't, it doesn't taste good. Now it does, it becomes easy. It becomes fun. No added sugar to these cubes. They're low calorie, but still delicious. I throw them in my purse. I've got a couple in my console in my car. I've got them next to my keys at the front door. I got my water drop everywhere. I want you guys to try this. Enjoy the benefits of drinking more water. Okay. Head to the water drop website. Get a special 15% discount for my listeners right here of this show. You've got a whole collection there of micro drinks and glass and steel bottles you can use, carafts, and a whole lot more. So again, go to waterdrop.com, 15% off by using my code CAT, just my name, code CAT for 15% off. Enjoy. Enjoy. We talk a lot on this show about growth. I mean, it, it mm. didn't start out this way necessarily. <laughs> you know, I'm an interviewer. I've had my time in Hollywood, and I I, I love learning people's stories. But so much of the show has just kind of evolved into wellness and mental health. You know, paying attention to that and and yeah. growth and introspection and meditation, all the things that one can do to really do that work on themselves. However, that yes. looks for people in in so many different ways. Be water, though. This idea, it's the title of the book. This is probably the most famous, you know, teaching of, of his. Can you explain to people, because not everybody listening is on this track, right? Not everybody is doing this work yet, but I really am trying to invite people into all the possibilities that if if they do these small things and start to pay attention and open up to these ideas, the quality of their lives is just going to soar. Yes. So as it pertains to be water, what is the philosophy there?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a very rich philosophy. There's several aspects to it. I think the easiest one, right, we all think of water and we think of flow, right? We think of, oh, being in flow, being in the zone, being flexible, right? All, that's yeah. sort of the most natural right. tendency. Just be fluid.
1: Just, Just be kind fluid. of roll with it. Yeah. Go mm. with the flow. It's, yeah.
0: you know, that kind of thing. But that's an important part and a, a bit of an oversimplification because as we know, as you and I know, like, it's it's hard to go with the flow. <laughs> uh-huh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Simplicity yeah, yeah. can be really challenging, right? Because so much of our stuff gets kicked up when we get in our own way and we have all this stuff going on in our minds and, you know, it's hard to just, you know, be instinctual, be intuitive and use your thinking mind all at the same time in a natural way. And that's really what being like water is. It's sort of, you know, water is essential and it's really about tapping into your essential nature and it's really about uh, being in co-creation with your environment it's really about uh, continuing to flow not stopping not getting held up being um being relentless in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that life is ever-changing. And because life is ever-changing, you also have to be ever-changing. And in order to be present to life, you have to have that awareness. In order to change, you have to have that presence, right? Yes. And it's also about not everything is, I mean, it's easy to look at Bruce Lee and think kung fu, dragons, you know, all of that, you know, aggressive, masculine stuff. But truly, his whole revelation around water was, and you also have to have gentleness. You can't just be hardcore 24-7. That you can beat your head against a wall all day long and not get anywhere, right? Like sometimes you have to pull back and find another path, look at things a little differently. You have to be able to flow around obstacles you know and i mean yes water will eventually bore through a mountain but how long is that going to take right so you have to have a multitude of tools and ways of being and methodologies and and all those different things at your fingertips but you want it to be natural Yes. You don't want it to be this light. Le- you want you want to learn how to use everything in a way that becomes second nature mm-hmm. or first nature.
1: First nature. <laughs> and do we get there by you know, I have a yoga instructor who's always like, Okay cat, you're reading a lot of books and that's really <laughs> great. And he's he's always like we we get because I, I I worked I had a huge year of healing a couple years ago where mm-hmm. I just like the, shut the world off and I was reading every day and I was just consuming so much. You know, I, I'm a big Pema Chodron fan, mm-hmm. the Buddhist teachings. I was you know inhaling all of that and really like looking. I was meditating more than ever. I was got on a journey for sure. And then my yoga instructor was like, okay now we get it. You're reading all the books. You're being a student and that's really good. And like, but there's only so much reading you can do. Then you have to put that into practice. Then you have to go out into the real life, you know, not the yoga studio in this safe little warm room that's with right. you and me. You have to actually go out into the world. And by the way, his advice was was great. And I, and I have a feeling that you will agree with it. It was like, and then you don't just, you don't do it. You're not acting it you're being it and yes. there's a big difference between being and doing yes so I guess my question is like with all of the wonderful wisdom in the book is that is that kind of the key is that you consume it and digest it and feel it and kind of digest it all and then just allow it to flow through you like water I mean is that <laughs> kind of, I'm like I'm trying to find like a formula for people yeah. who are listening to who can take it and then apply it
0: yes I mean look there's no like first do this, then do this, because part of the thing too is that there are different tools that work better for different people, right? Like we all, we're all kind of headed in the same direction, but we may take many different ways to get there. But yes, the idea is, and part of the reason why a bit in the book, I use some martial arts analogies because martial arts is It's a really great example and it's a really great practice also, not that I'm advocating everybody go out and train in martial arts, but it's a really great practice because in those conditions of a fight, I mean, that's the ultimate stressful moment, right? It's like when life is coming at you. It's like an opponent coming at you, right? And so the reason you train in martial arts, the reason you do all of these punches and kicks and you practice and you practice with an opponent and you practice by yourself and you spar, which is like safe fighting and (laughs) all that kind of stuff, just like you're saying with the yoga studio, is so that when you get out in the real world and you're faced with a stressful situation or a challenge, of any kind, not an actual fight, although it may be, but mm-hmm. you have the experience of having practiced how to maintain your skill under stressful circumstances. Right. Under duress because, you know, our emotions all get the better of us at some point. And we suddenly are reacting when we're very unconscious about what's happening. But the whole point of training in whatever you're training in and knowing yourself is to be able to create that moment of, and it can be like an instantaneous moment, but enough of a moment of pause for you to go like, oh, I don't want to get taken over by this. I want to keep my cool. I want to be able to respond rather than react.
1: Yes. Yes. Like a conscious knowing.
0: Yes, yes,
1: and that reminded me of the choicelessness. What what? There's a missing a word. Choiceless awareness. Thank you. <laughs> that reminded me of choiceless awareness. I love that bit. Can you speak yeah. about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So my father was a huge fan of Krishnamurti, who used that phrase a lot, and and because of that, my father used that phrase a lot with this idea that this state you want to occupy is one of choiceless awareness. So you could think of it as extreme presence, right? You're very aware. But you're not judging. You're not filtering or choosing or collecting evidence to support your point of view or doing any of that. You're choiceless. You're just there. You're extremely aware of your environment, of everything that's going on inside of you, that's going on outside of you, and you're moment-to-moment responding or, you know, you're quote-unquote choosing, but you're choosing out of a a natural place, out of a skilled place because you've worked on yourself.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes. Right. It's the ultimate presence. It all yes. comes back to being present. It's like It really does. It's like turning off the noise in our minds and almost unlearning all those stories we've told ourselves. You know, you talk about that a lot in the book of constant judgments that are going on. And even when we're saying that others are judging, that means we're judging. Like mm-hmm. uh, another point in the book that I thought was just, I think it is in the opponent chapter and you talk about at the end of the day, every time we're pointing a finger somewhere, it's really turning that finger right back around at ourselves. And that the whole world and like other people around us, it's just one big mirror Mm -hmm. of ourselves. And what we come across and what we encounter and what we see is ourselves being reflected back to us and really taking a look at our own spirits and decisions and choices and ego and all that makes us who we are. Why, why is that important to recognize? So I don't think everybody thinks that way. And I certainly don't think, yeah. you know, people are walking around, you know, like you said, it's just so human to just be like, ah, that's so annoying and not go, okay, wait, why does that why does that bother me? And why am I frustrated by that? And what does that say about me? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important
0: because I think it helps, first of all, with knowing yourself, right? Like, why am I reacting that way? Why am I so affected by that? right? Because different things affect different people. So something that somebody is doing, like, you know, let's choose a silly example, chewing loudly, that really bothers some people and some people doesn't bother at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for everything everyone is doing, you know, that can be something that's a really a triggering to you mm-hmm. or not. And the question is, does it have to be triggering? What is the trigger? It, it's really not about the other person. It's about what's going on inside of you. What creates that tension, that dis ease, that anxiety that you know that you are experiencing in that moment. So it helps you to know yourself, and it also helps you if you can really broaden your awareness to develop compassion for others, yeah. because the beautiful thing about working on yourself and knowing yourself is that when you really start to look in there and like lift up the hood and take a peek, you're like, uh, uh
1: oh, oh, we're going to be here a while. (laughs) A
0: lot going on under here, you know, and when you and when you notice that you realize, oh, there's a lot going on under under the hood Mm -hmm. of everybody. And that person might be acting that way because I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea. They could have just found out they got fired from their job. They could have had abusive parents. They could, you know, like you have no idea. Mm -hmm. But every way that we're responding and reacting is, and this is one thing that I say in the book, it's like if you can turn it around and see like, it's because we're all just trying to cope. We're all just trying to cope. And we all just want our lives to be good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're just not paying attention to the methods we're using you know, we're using things like denial, and we're using things like you know uh-huh. judgment. We're all that stuff. Drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. You know, the numbing. Yeah, the uh-huh. numbing, the escape, the da da da. But it's uh-huh. all just because we want to feel okay. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and if we can hold that perspective, like it helps you to be more gentle with yourself. Oh, I'm just trying to be okay. So how can I develop better methods for being okay rather
1: than the ones I'm using, which aren't working that well? Right, right. <laughs> what has the response been like to the book? Do you Are you hearing from people? And are, are they saying that, you know, they're using the book almost like a, a handbook that they come back to again and again and again?
0: Yes, I have heard that, which is, you know, it just makes my heart so warm. I'm just thrilled because this is why I wrote the book. You know, this is sort of, I wanted it to be a gift. I wanted it to be something that people could use and that would hopefully soothe them or make them feel better or help them in some way. Like, I know it's what it does for me. And so, and I know it's, you know, there's a different key for every lock, so it might not be for everyone, but I hoped that for some people it would be and that is what I've heard. Mm -hmm. And it's been really... Rewarding, and in fact, I'm in the process now of working on some writing prompts and some different things that, if you want to go a little bit deeper with the
1: wonderful kind of like a workbook. Yeah, that's great. Gosh, oh, I think that's so so wonderful. You're working on a lot. Speaking of, I (laughs) want I want to hear a little bit about Warrior because. In that that goodie box, that treasure box of things that you got from your dad passed on to you mm. was this treatment for mm-hmm. a show called Warrior. Was that a treatment your dad had written or that he came, came to him? No, that he had written. Wow. Okay. So yeah. tell us about that and what you did with it and where that stands.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I make a joke that Warrior was a show that was in development for 50 years. <laughs> my father in the 70s? In the 60s. The 60s. Oh, in my gosh. 60s. Okay. Yeah. My father wrote it in the 60s as a potential television show vehicle that he could star in. He pitched it to Warner Brothers at the time, and they considered it. They had some other things that they were considering for him as well. And then they said, look we just can't give you a lead in a show because you're Chinese and you have an accent and American audiences are just not going to go for it. So, I mean, my father, as you can imagine, came up against that a lot (laughs) in trying to break into Hollywood. And that's why he started to create his own projects because the roles that he wanted just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so, and he had you know, his, one of his students was the head of Warner Brothers Studio. So he was like trying to get something going for himself and all of that. And it never went anywhere. And it just went back in a box and it sat there for decades until Justin Lin came to me, Justin Lin, who's the director of the, some of the Fast and Furious movies, Better Luck Tomorrow and all that came to me. And he said, you know, I've always heard this rumor that your dad had created a TV show. Is that true? And I said, yeah, it's true. And he said, you wouldn't happen to know what ever happened with that. And I was like, oh yeah, it's right here. As a matter (laughs) of fact, I do. I do. Yeah. And so he said, well, can I read it? Would you ever want to make this? And we just started working on it. And he just turned out to be the most wonderful creative partner because he wanted to do it with the quality and in the way that I also wanted to do it. He said, we need to do this in the way that is of of the highest quality and integrity and to your father's vision. Otherwise, we really shouldn't do it. And so we started working on it. It took about four years, and it debuted in 2019. That's why I say like 1969 to 2019 was like 50 years. (laughs) And then, you know, the struggles just continued with the show in the sense that it was on Cinemax. It did really well. They renewed it for a second season. Second season came out. Cinemax, which is part of HBO, was scooped up in a merger with Time Warner. And they just decided at a corporate level to cancel all Cinemax programming. Uh. And so it got canceled like... 100% canceled.
1: (laughs) And we were like, "What?
0: wait a minute. And we really felt like, you know, this show is so important. It's telling an important Chinese American story. It's important because of Asian representation. It's, It's important for a number of reasons. And it's a good show. (laughs)
1: There's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a good show. And it talks about things like the Chinese Exclusion Act. And it's also, even though it takes place in the 19th century in San Francisco, Chinatown, it's very current to the Mm. issues of our time around immigration, around, you know, Asian hate, around discrimination, around representation, all these things. Right. And so we were really fortunate that an article was written in Vanity Fair about the importance of our show. Then they agreed to put our show on HBO Max. Mm. And then once it was on HBO Max, it got a really significant viewership. And then they renewed it.
1: Woo! Woo! Yay! <laughs> That's pretty recent, right?
0: Yes. and st- In fact, we start shooting July 18th for season three.
1: Oh my gosh! Congratulations, yeah. Yeah. that's fantastic. So it Thank has you. a happy ending. It's not over, but a that's happy right. a restart, I guess. <laughs> that's yes. great. And so, how closely involved will you be with that? Are you your producer? Yes. On the show, mm-hmm. are you on set? Are you on like all the creative? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I'm. I'm very involved in the creative. Um,
0: I'm an executive producer. I, you know, helped. With the hiring of the writers, the showrunner, all the casting, I read all the scripts, I give notes, I watch all the rough edits and give notes, I, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And then, yes, I will go down and be on set for parts of the time, but not the entire time. Yeah.
1: And how you liking that? I mean, this is like, yeah. you know, hey, I love hearing that. I mean, yeah. th- this is what I love about midlife. I'm, you know, I'm in my late 40s, also, like, also at midlife, and it's mm-hmm. like, The coolest thing about this season of life, I always feel is like, you just never know what's going to, like, what's going to be in your lap or what you're going to be involved in that you couldn't have even dreamed up in your like early 20s, you know? And so I just love hearing you tell the story because it's like- You know, first you were writing this book, and you've had, you've done so much, but like, I bet you just didn't know that this was going to be what you were doing right now, right? (laughs) No, and it's probably just the beginning. I mean, do you see yourself like growing in this into other works like
0: this? Definitely. I now have other projects in in development at various phases of development. Incredible. I'm really excited to produce more. I'm even considering writing one of the projects. So, I mean. It's exactly right. And it's so funny because, you know, having a child that's nineteen, and I it's such an interesting thing to say, like, yeah, you have to dedicate yourself to learning and growing, and, you know, at that time, it was always like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want your career, your one career exactly. to be? And it's like, yeah. oh,
1: no. Like, Pick. The- <laughs> pick, pick what it's going to be. And then yeah. you got to stick to that. And that's going to be your life, your identity, your story. Period. Period. Not anymore.
0: Yeah. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's that. like, be open and be like water. Yeah. right? Like,
1: <laughs> Be like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like what if, you know, you heard from Justin Lin and you were protective or something over the treatment. You're like, let's just leave that where it was. You know, you could have responded to that a million different ways, but you were open and yeah. and because you were, I mean, look at look at what's going on. That is I, oh, I love that part of life and I love that you answered the call. That's so yeah. cool. That <laughs> Thank is you. that is really really cool. We talked about how you are, you know, preserving your dad's legacy and promoting a lot of his works and his teachings. You're also protecting him. I I just discovered the whole Quentin Tarantino bit. (laughs) It's probably old news, but Mm -hmm. like, but there was a scene and I I didn't remember the scene until I read the article. I was like, oh yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you guys saw it, there is a scene where your father is depicted fighting with Brad Pitt's character, I believe. Yep people were up in arms about that, right? Like a lot yes. of, of of Bruce Lee fans were not having it. They didn't like the way he was depicted. What did you think when you first saw the scene or was it brought to your attention to go watch it?
0: <laughs> uh, yes. So I had heard tangentially that, that my father was going to be represented in this film, mm-hmm. but that's all I knew. Mm. Uh, no one talked to me about it. I had didn't know what was being planned. So then the film came out and then I started hearing all of these reactions to the portrayal and then reporters started calling me "Whoa, (laughs) saying, do you have any comment about the way your father's portrayed in this movie? And I hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to go out and watch it in order to be able to comment. And so I went with a friend. We went to go see the movie and... It was very disheartening mm. to see him portrayed so inaccurately and so stereotypically mm-hmm. and in a mm-hmm. way that really... Um, it was really sort of how Hollywood treated him in his life <laughs> when he was alive. that uh-huh. That's how it felt to me. And to hear people laughing at it in the theater and stuff like that, and I was just like, ooh. And the thing is, like... I understand the whole point of it. It's, it's character development. They want to show that Brad Pitt's character is this killer, amazing fighter, right? Tough guy. So who better to prove that with by having him beat up Bruce Lee? I get it. Yeah. But it's just the way that it was done just felt so unnecessary. Mm. And, you know, I'm a creative person. I don't, I don't mind. I understand, you know, a certain call to creativity in that way. But there is some concern you have to have when you're dealing with real people. Right. And so so I gave some comment about the film, just saying that I didn't like it and why. And the unfortunate part was that Tarantino responded and just doubled down mm. on on, and then and then said some things that were even more inaccurate. And so then that, I I just felt like, what is the point of doing that? I don't understand, you know? Like, we could have just said our piece and been done with it. You'd agree to disagree
1: and <laughs> exactly. then move on, right.
0: Exactly. Uh. And so then I wrote an op-ed piece for The Hollywood Reporter, I believe, and just sort of talking about, like, there's just a lot of misinformation and how difficult it was for my father at that time in his life as a person of color mm-hmm. in Hollywood trying to make it, who, as we now know, was extremely skilled and capable, as many people are, and who don't ever get the chance, right? Yeah. And so I I tried to pen it in a way that was balanced and not accusatory because I don't I, I don't know Quentin Tarantino. I've never met the man. I have no idea anything about him. So it's not on me to lambast him personally, but it is on me to speak to my father and his legacy. And that's what I did.
1: You are so fascinating. Your <laughs> life is so interesting. Your stories are beautiful, and Aww. your book is phenomenal. Aww, so, everybody listening, take my advice Be Water My Friend by Shannon Lee go out and gobble it up and we'll wait for the workbook. Yes. We'll wait. You got to send me that workbook. I will. And then I can can go to work and then I can share about that too.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to be launching my own personal website soon. Okay. For some of my own personal stuff. Because as you say, it's been kind of all Bruce Lee all the time. And at some point, you know, there's an ebb and a flow to it. And I feel like, okay, it's time for me to also put some of my own things out into the world. So I'm excited for that
1: cannot wait. Well, thank you so very much for uh, taking the time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for just following through mm. reaching out. I mean, we don't all do that, right? We think about things, but then we yeah, don't go like, you know, I'm actually going to reach out. I'm yeah. actually going to. So, I really appreciate that, and I hope it's the first of many connections.
1: Yes, me too. Lots yes. of love. Thank you. To you too. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Cat. Talk to you next Tuesday.